0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network hello just a quick message from me harry robinson as for this episode as always i'm joined by jack tate it's a managerial special but actually we recorded it at the time of series one episode 12 but due to technical difficulties it lasted about two weeks actually um we're only releasing it now we've just recorded series one episode 16 you can find that on acast or itunes this is also available on acast or itunes um Enjoy the show. A few stats may be out of date. A few opinions may be out of date, even. Hope you enjoy that. Hello and welcome to the Manchester United weekly podcast. This week we have a special for you with a lengthy comparison of who could replace Louis van Hard in the summer or whether he can continue himself. We'll start off with the most likely candidate, the one that is sought after most by the majority of the United fan base. If you're one of those who loves the idea of Jose Mourinho patrolling the Old Trafford touchline. I'm naturally inclined to fight against that idea of yours. However, for this episode, we're keeping an open mind, aren't we, Jack? At the end of each managerial discussion, as we go through name by name, we'll give an evaluation. But before that, we'll consider all sides of the argument. Jose Mourinho, the main argument for bringing him in is born-winning nature of Mourinho and the special one, not so much in his last few months in his second spell at Chelsea. But it is proven that he does win at every single club he's been to, isn't it?
1: I mean it's amazing when you look at it the, the success that he's had it really is ridiculous that, and it, and it's not it's not even just the success it's the instant success as well I mean everywhere that he's gone he's won trophies in his first or second season and it's really quite remarkable how quickly he manages to bring home silverware um, and I think for a lot of our fans that's what we're kind of craving at the moment because obviously we're not going through like a drought of say like 10-20 years but where a fan base used to win in trophies every season for so long, well, this will be our third season without any silverware if we don't win the FA Cup, then it, it, the the arguments for Mourinho bringing instant trophies, you can see why people are drawn by it.
0: Yeah, there's two sort of main key arguments here, one for Mourinho and one against him. The one that we've just mentioned about him winning everywhere has been is very true. And although, as I said, I'm inclined against Mourinho, it's one that is, make, makes a very strong case because... Everyway has been, as you said, instant success, not just success in five or six years, particularly because he hasn't been anywhere for five or six years. And that is the argument against him. But when people say, oh, it's not a long term plan, uh, it's not going to stabilise the club. Half of the fan base are thinking stability. Uh, we need to get back on track as, a, as an entire club, not just as a football team. And the other half are thinking, we need to win. We need to get back into the winning ways. Get the squads to know that winning feeling. Because a lot of them, think about like Morgan Schneider. He was playing in League One a few years ago. They don't have that winning feeling. But the, the key question against that longevity thing is, is it really possible anymore?
1: That's part of the problem. I think a lot of people, is it desirable anymore to have that l- longevity as well? We've seen the success that, Clubs like Barcelona, like Bayern Munich have had, when I mean, they've been turning over managers every, every two or three years. And although the way their managers have, have left obviously hasn't been as acrimonious as the way Mourinho has left a lot of his clubs. And I suppose when you can have continued success with having such a high turnover of managers, it really does beg the question of, A, whether it's desirable to have a manager for a long length of time, and B, whether it's necessary. I suppose as long as you keep having success, it doesn't really matter who is a them for how long.
0: If you look at England, there's only six managers across the top four leagues who have been at their club for more than four years. and One of them is Wenger, who's been there for, I think it's like 19 years now. And if you look, since 2000 at the very big clubs, as you mentioned, Barcelona, it's not that they don't have uh, longevity. It's literally that they get rid of their managers even if they're successful because they have this idea in their mind very different to United that the way to succeed is to not sit back and allow a trophy this season. As soon as that happens, you're gone. Same at Real Madrid, even half a trophy this season, you're gone at Real Madrid. Since 2000, Bayern Munich have had nine managers. Barcelona have had 10. Even Borussia Dortmund, everyone has this as the ideal club. With Even them who had Klopp for a long period of time, they've had nine managers. Ajax, 11 managers. Atletico Madrid have had Simeone for ages, but since 2000, they've had 15. Juventus, 10. Porto, 14, including Mourinho. If you look at that... Those are the most successful clubs in each of their own countries: the Atletico, Barca, Dortmund, Bayern, Ajax, even Juventus, Porto. Those are the big clubs in each of their countries. And then you look at Chelsea; they're probably uh, when they were getting rid of managers more quickly in the mid to late 2000s, they were the most successful club alongside us. So, is longevity? Uh, is, that's not really what we want anymore. Really, it's a it's a dream. It's not really one that's acceptable or possible.
1: Yeah, I, I think to an extent it's true. Like we said, does it really matter who is in charge? If the club is winning trophies, then quite frankly, I don't really mind who's in charge. My worry with Mourinho is that will he have instant success at United? Because I'm not sure he's ever had a challenge this big in a league as competitive as, as, as this. I know a lot of people point to his time at Porto. But that squad at Porto, I mean, it was by no means Champions League winning squad. But it was still a good squad and he didn't have as many or as much competition domestically as he would do in the Premier League like now. Um, So I suppose it meant that he could focus on Europe a little bit more. But to be fair, if he leaves us in a good position after three years and having won some trophies, then we can't really be complaining.
0: Well, let's move on to that about instant success with Mourinho. Yeah, it's happened at every other club. He's coming up against Guardiola and many have suggested that the another key reason alongside the fact of instant success is that he's probably one of the only managers in the world who's beaten Guardiola and I'm not just talking about matches he really really frustrated Guardiola when Mourinho was at Real Madrid and Pep was at uh, Barcelona he really got under Pep's skin and got under all of the Barcelona fans skin and maybe that's not what we want associated with our club but it's something that he can do very well so that's something to think about in terms of competing with City but a lot of people have rightly said I agree with this that we can't be focusing on pep battle. We need to put that argument aside and really focus on what is best for United rather than what is best for United against City because we're also competing against Chelsea, who might have Antonio Conte, Arsenal probably still have Wenger, and other teams <laughs> maybe Leicester against Ranieri. So we're competing against other. We can't just focus on City, who are currently our, our rivals for top four.
1: No, I, I totally agree. The be-all and end-all of it is that we can't control what Manchester City do. We have to just focus on ourselves and what's best for ourselves. And if, say, trying to, to rival Manchester City ends up putting us in a worse position in three years, say, than we are now, then is it is it really worth it? But so it's a gamble that you have to take. And sometimes these gambles can be the making of a club. But that is my biggest worry. It's that, will we be able to have a lot of success with with Mourinho? As you say, with? You know, we'd assume the resurgence of Chelsea, Pep City, possibly if Leicester are able to, to sustain their, their stay at the top, if Tottenham can do the same, if Arsenal can keep improving, then it's going to be very, very tough. And it's a gamble as to whether Mourinho actually will have huge success. But hey, I mean, it is a risk, but it might be one worth taking.
0: Yeah, that's what it comes down to. Let's look at a few more key issues surrounding Mourinho because ultimately everyone knows what Mourinho is good at and that's winning but there's a lot of things that hold him back from being that perfect candidate let's look at youth that's the main one for most United fans are are worried about youth you look at Marcus Rashford Borswick Jackson Varela even signing people like Martial uh, and Memphis to come through and people think that Mourinho is strongly against youth when he came to Chelsea the second time he assured fans that there'd be a, a lot of youth players coming through and he wanted to focus on the long term and in the end it didn't turn out there's two sides to the argument though um he'll be desperate to come to United he is desperate uh, because he's fired to last for the last decade or so but really if we look at the history it does show something i think Yeah, when he came to Chelsea, he said, we have no doubts about what we want to do and the approach we want to have. The most important part of my job at the moment is the improvement of the youth here. But he gave debuts to five players in two seasons and five months and really only lost his cheek was regularly involved while there were people who were given 30 minutes in the league cup or something, which which was ultimately just added to that appallingly low stat.
1: I think it is a big problem or potential problem anyway, of Mourinho coming, because we have a long history of producing great youth players. And although we don't want to get sort of stuck in that mould and think that we have to always do that, it is a big part of Manchester United. And it is still one that, although the academy isn't in the best shape right now, we are still producing some very talented youngsters, as you said, the likes of Rashford, Walshwick-Jackson, Varela, all come in and and, and performed admirably uh, this season. So it is definitely something we need to look into. And if instant success comes at that cost, then I wonder whether it's worth it. Because if it then means that for the future we have almost no prospects coming through and we then just have to keep rebuilding our team every two or three years, which is not completely out of the question, you know, it it could well happen if Mourinho does come and, and, and say sort of ruins that part of the team almost, then... It would definitely be something that the club has to take into consideration. I'm not sure that the sacrifice is quite worth it.
0: It really is a question on whether you're willing to sacrifice a century-old tradition, even longer than that, of giving the kids a chance, particularly under Ferguson and Busby, and even under people like Atkinson, Sexton, Doherty. There is one contradiction to the Mourinho youth hate arguing at Inter Milan, Adam Digby uh, wrote for In Bed with Maradona. um Fantastic site. You can follow him at ADZ77. He may not have the same instant impact as bringing through the youngsters as Van Gaal has done or Ferguson did where they came through straight away. But in terms of long-term strategy of the academy... Inter Milan, proved extremely good. And as you mentioned there, the United Academy is not in the best state. We're still producing a, a brilliant team and it's one of the best in the world, but it isn't at the the level there was probably two, three or four years ago because uh, a lack of strategy and direction. So, maybe Mourinho could help that long-term thing. It could be similar to Manchester City. We're bringing in youth instead of local people. When he first came to Chelsea, he brought in a 20-year-old Iron Robin, 22-year-old Peter Cech, 22-year-old Sien, 23-year-old Wright Phillips, 20-year-old John Obi Mikel, 20-year-old Salomon Kalou. And then, uh, if we go back to that Inter Milan example, Balotelli was involved in the first team at 16, David Santon at 17, Real Madrid's Ozil was 21, Dean was 22, Varane, he trusted in hugely at just 18, and look at look where Varane is now. And the second time at Chelsea, he brought in Kurt Zumu, he trusted for the whole season. At Inter, Claudio Ranieri took over from him, uh, they've also sort of fought against each other, but he said, uh, the Marino deserved the statue because, uh, because of what he did. A, he won the treble. Um, but also what he did for the club as a whole. Digby wrote that uh Mourinho completely revitalized and invigorated Inter on all fronts. Um, he describes Mourinho as having demanded that his first team squad was made up of 19 top players and four from the academy. It's not quite what United want, but it is close. And, uh, and there's this thing about, there's a strategy with Mourinho in terms of youth, and the tactics formations were exactly the same in the youth set-up as a senior team to allow instant debuts for the young players, and Inter have generated a huge amount of money from the the academy which Mourinho built and insisted on being good so there's one contradiction to this argument but overall his average age in that 2009-10 starting lineup was 31 so there's certainly arguments on either side in terms of Mourinho and youth but it's worth noting that he's not completely against youth although if he did come to United that sort of desperateness for success will probably outweigh the the long term strategy. Two more things we've got to look at maybe three in Mourinho uh, this is the longest section of this episode the other managers will be a little shorter <laughs> in terms of man management he's quite similar to Van Halen Fogge isn't he has a great relationship with some players but very very badly with some
1: he puts great faith I think in the people that he that he truly believes in and it, it, it was a big part of his last um, title winning side at Chelsea and that team pretty much picked itself the entire year Courtois Ivanovic, Cahill, Terry, Azpilipeta, Matic, Fabregas, Hazard, Oscar, William, Diego Costa. And, and you knew every single game that as long as everyone was fit, you knew that 11 was coming out of the tunnel. They can actually be really satisfying for players, I guess players that are in the starting 11, you know, because they know that the manager has that faith in them. They know that they can rely on him to put his trust in them. But on the flip side, for people that then aren't in, in the starting 11, it can then be really damaging because you know that perhaps you aren't going to get as many chances, you're going to be resigned to just a, a place on the bench. And I think it can lead to a lot of people becoming really disillusioned with the club, as happened almost with Petr Cech. It was kind of a weird symmetry to it, the fact that Mourinho brought him in, obviously, in the first place in his first spell at Chelsea. And then ended up letting him go to a big rival because they kind of fell out, and not personally, but over just Mourinho's lack of trust of Cech and, and the amount of trust he put in Thibaut Courtois. It's a double-edged sword, but I think, to be fair, most successful managers have to have that kind of ruthless streak because, at the end of the day, they they need to find a way to win. If that is the best way for them to win, then they have to take it.
0: Yeah, there's a slight question over his insistence of a small squad. Everyone's blamed Van Hal for it. and In some ways, he's so similar in that he's very confrontational with the media. He loves having a small squad, etc., but, of course, more successful. So, so, it it depends how you look at it. In terms of media, it's very similar to Fergie and Van Hart as well. Very confrontational there, as I just mentioned. Don't know why people are scared of him in the media, given what we had with Fergie banning people from the training ground and stuff. Um, only worry is, uh, Canera court case. Don't want him looking over his shoulder, uh, while he's doing it, but I'm sure that'll be sorted. Colin at Ronaldo asks, if Jose takes a job, which looks increasingly likely, what formation do you think he'll make us play? Um I'd assume 4 3 one He's played that everywhere. Uh, there was a bit of a 4-4-2 diamond at Inter and occasionally 4-4-3, maybe 4-5-1, but uh, the main formation, 4 would 3 one not it?
1: Yeah, I think so. It seems like his favoured formation. and Everywhere that he's had a lot of success, that's been the one that he's favoured the most.
0: Right, let's move on to Ryan Giggs. This is sort of the dream candidate, isn't it? Something that we can't quite escape, but in real, if we were thinking with our heads, would probably seem like a ridiculous idea. But in thinking with your heart, right gigs, uh, wouldn't it just be magical?
1: It would. It's the uh, like the romanticist's um, appointment, I think. It would just be like the, the fairy tale story. You know, the, the club legend came through the club's academy, kind of stands for everything that the club is about. And if he then took the reins, it really would just be like the perfect end to the story. But the thing with Giggs is obviously he's unproven. And there have been some amazing success stories of managers who have come in being relatively unproven and doing really well at different clubs. But there have also been some horror stories and... And again, it's a risk to, to bring in Giggs because all we've seen of him pretty much is, what was it, three games at the end of David Moyes' season? Yeah, I think? four
0: games there. And what's really sort of different, people are like, oh, he's a new Pep Guardiola, but he's managed four games for the senior team in which he was an interim manager and obviously the players are going to play for him. Guardiola guided the Barcelona B side to the title, an incredibly good side where he developed his philosophy, as you call it. Giggs has never managed a team, as the actual manager of the team. He's coached and he's been assistant manager. He's had that little experience, four matches at the end of the David Moyes era, which was very entertaining, but he hasn't had that chance to do it. The thing is, though, how can you not get excited by Gig standing on the touchline? I mentioned those four games. I was at the 4-0 against Norwich, which was his first after the Moyes, and the excitement was sort of outweighed the relief that Moyes was gone. apart from the Real Madrid game in the Champions League 2013 I think that's the loudest I've heard Old Trafford and the excitement about having Ryan Giggs the legend of the club it's just incredible
1: it would be such a, a fairytale way of kind of guiding the club I mean could you imagine if Giggs was appointed and, and say three four five years down the line we were this superpower again winning trophies left right and centre it would just be the best story that you could ever create I think the thing with saying oh but he's inexperienced he's never managed a game the flip side of that is well how is he meant to get experience because if he went out to another club when he said he's had offers from other clubs then it's like well what if the things then go wrong at his at the club he's like tried out at does that mean we then can't ever try him as a manager at United so it would it would definitely be a gamble but it is one that I think maybe they could pay off and the fact that he was kept as assistant manager under Van Gaal's surely signals somewhere intent from the board that they do want to keep him involved in the coaching setup at the club and maybe eventually have him as manager because I assume that Louis van Gaal would have had his own coaches that he may have wanted to bring in. I know he has, but I assume Giggs probably wasn't his first choice as assistant manager. Well, yeah, Um,
0: I'll mention this later, but uh, when, when we discuss van Gaal a bit, but it seems that the board might be keeping Van Hole for another season, whisper it quietly, or Mourinho. And if they do keep Van Hoel, then it seems that they will be appointing gigs after that uh, in their plan. I guess it's good that they have a strategy for once, uh, quite rare, from Woodward and the Glazers. But talking about the fans loving him and what if it goes wrong, Newcastle fans still love Alan Shearer. Um, he got them relegated. Yeah, there wasn't much he could do, but they still love him even though he was sacked and didn't. It didn't work. But you look at what Gig said the other day. He said, I think it will always be part of the club's philosophy. This is about the youth. It's part of the history. It's what sets us apart from other teams. Yeah, we can bring world-class players in from around the world, but we want one of our own to be performing on that Old Trafford pitch. We need players to come through the rank. Fans demand it. That's a massive part of the United history. That It's a sort of stupid argument really but he does understand what united is all about he understands what we want and maybe yeah it's worth the risk my sort of final point on this just we can't say anything about managerial qualities uh because he hasn't had this experience or time to show it to us yet apart from those four games so just forget about that forget about his football intelligence whatever forget about whether he has the balls to do or something but Ryan Giggs' first team talk as the interim manager. This comes from the Times uh, a few months ago. I can't remember who wrote it. it says his first team talk was short and sweet. He had never been the type to use 10 words when one will do. After David Moy suggested his message to the team uh before they went out against Norwich, clear, captivating, and decided to liberate, he said, you're Man United and this is Old Trafford. Never forget that. Go out there and enjoy yourselves. Express yourselves and win. And... I remember reading about somehow Bosby uh, to the Busby Babes and his team talks would just just go out and play and it just it adds to that sense of the dream factor about gigs and yeah, that's, the, that's the kind of brilliant team talk that you sort of imagine when you're dreaming on Old Trafford, isn't
1: it? Absolutely. He embodies pretty much everything that Manchester United stand for and his understanding of the club is probably be- better than anyone else currently. In, in that respect, that is what he would bring to the, to the managerial role that anyone else could. You also have perhaps the, the fact that obviously he has a great relationship with Sir Alex Ferguson. And I'm sure that Sir Alex would be more than, ha- more than happy to kind of help guide Giggs through the process in any time where he felt he needed help or was struggling. And so you have that element of it that could maybe combat his inexperience to some degree.
0: Yeah, I guess Ferguson would help. A lot of people don't want Fergie involved in a club Let's move on to another candidate, Tottenham Hotspur's Mauricio Pochettino. It's an unlikely one, this one. He's got a points parking of 1.5, and that's 0.5 less than Mourinho's. But he's been at smaller clubs. If you put that over a 38-game season, it's 30 points off the average for the title. But steadily, as he's moved up the the ladder from Espanol to Southampton to Tottenham, that has increased slowly, so... I guess it, it if you move to United, it increases again, and it gets near where Mourinho would be. Thing is, though, before we start all this, uh, the main issue is that Daniel Levy is not going to let him go, is he?
1: <laughs> Absolutely, Daniel Levy has always been like the hardest bargaining um, person in football, and Mauricio Pochettino at the moment is like his almost like his prized possession, along with Harry Kane. So I can't see can't see him leaving. The only the only way around that, that I could possibly see was like. If United offered both Levy and Pochettino an ob- obscene amount of money,
0: well, if you think about it, it would cost 20 million to get rid of Van Hall early this summer, yeah. plus a reported 20 million a year for Mourinho, which seems ridiculous given he's been begging us to take the job. We could give him about five pound a week and he'd take it. Yeah. So plus 20 million a year for Mourinho, plus his staff, of whom he'd all bring in. So that's a lot of money. Plus getting rid of Van Hall. And his staff as well, who you'd have to replace. That's a lot of money. That's adding up to about $50 million. So So what's to say we can't offer Daniel Levy money similar to that? Offer Pochettino a lot of money. It's not very United, but to be honest, Pochettino is a brilliant manager. One that plays attacking football, young players, understands uh how to win over the fans. Um He's, he's partly uh, an ideal candidate, although I guess... Why would he want to come? Even if we off him 20 million in a year, make him the best pay manager of all time. He could be about to win the Premier League title with Tottenham with one of the youngest squads. He's got Harry Kane, Deli Ali, Eric Dyer, Lamella, Ericsson, Laurice, Fatongan, such a brilliant squad that has so much potential. And he could be the Premier League champion. Why would he come to United? He's got a great academy at Tottenham as well. It's not like he's getting anything extra at United apart from the history of the club.
1: Well, yeah, I think that is, is my, my biggest worry. Like, you could offer them all the money in the world, but at the end of the day, there has to be an incentive for Pochettino to come to United. And why would he come to what is at the moment a, a faltering, a faltering United club? Even, not not really even just a squad. Um, there seems to have a lack of direction, a lack of purpose, p- opposed to the young, vibrant Tottenham squad that he currently has. that has a clear future. Is on a, a, a massive upward curve, and he might end the season as. A, um, as a Premier League champion so yeah I mean, it, is, it is a tough one there isn't really as far as I can see apart from the name of Manchester United there isn't much reason why he would leave
0: if you're if you're listening to this and you're not convinced that Pochettino would be a great manager I think he would be firstly although I don't I can't see any way in which he'd come if you're not convinced 11 out of the last 19 players to make their England debut have been coached by Pochettino and he's only been at two clubs in England so that's incredible anyway let's move on our Jose Mourinho Ryan Giggs Mauricio Pochettino the only options uh the biggest club in the world as we're led to believe we are cannot be considering just three options surely um there appears to be a fear of embarrassment of being rejected but given we just mentioned the name there given that we are Manchester United surely any coach in the world maybe not Pochettino (laughs) no matter what the current successes are would want to join it it's hard to argue against that um a uh, viable, increasingly attractive option is uh, Laurent Blanc. He won league out a few weeks ago with a 9 0 victory. The competitiveness of the league is worrying uh, for PSG fans, honestly, and uh, sort of any French football fans. And it has been since the Qatari owners took over. But the professionalism that Blanc has managed to instill in his squad to keep motivation levels high with a very ambitious squad, you think about it, people like Cavani and Ibrahimovic despite being 25 points ahead all season, is impressive. And if we talk about Laurent Blanc, uh, he's a very safe option, but could be a great one to stabilise a club and win stuff at the same time. And the main argument against him is that he's managing PSG. But the idea that all future managers have to be Premier League proven is ridiculous, is it not? Because the, the three greatest Premier League managers of all time, and I've... No sort of doubt in calling these three: Ferguson, Mourinho, and Wenger, have come from Aberdeen, Nagoya Grampus in Japan, and Porto in Portugal. So, like, how can we argue that all of our managers have to be Premier League proven?
1: At the end of the day, somewhere along the line, someone has to come to the Premier League. Like, what? What are you going to do? Only just limit yourself to those? Sort of 19 other managers that are currently in the league. It it sort of confuses me when people make that argument that someone has to be Premier League proven because the Premier League, although it's unique, like there are other leagues in the world that are challenging as well. And like you said, it's been proven before that just because someone doesn't have necessarily the, the best CV or coming directly from like a massive club or a Premier League club, by no means means that they won't ever succeed at a Premier League club. So I think. It's wrong to, to simply just write someone off. We actually have a question from at Daily Messer about Laurent Blanc. I think this might be a good time to kind of bring it in. He asks Do you think the Blanc would succeed? Because apparently he had no control in the champions at PSG. And would that matter?
0: I'm not sure he, if he did have no control. Um, initially, when he managed France in Euro 2012, his, uh, his experience of handling those egos was absolutely appalling there were senior players like maluda coming out uh, speaking of like fights in the dressing room but i i thought that he'd learn at psg while van harte's fallen out with valdez Di maria etc and mourinho fell out with ronaldo uh Bronk has allowed de maria to really flourish um he's given him freedom and allowed the rest of the side to carry him because he knows that the positives of de maria outweigh the negatives like Ferguson, uh, dealt with Cantona as well. Ibrahimovic, um, allowed more freedom and chances than the rest of his players. He, he's able to judge it as well as well. Um, Cavani and Levetsi uh, they were fine and dropped for weeks after returning from training late. And Dimir did that under Van Haarle. He just got rid of. So I don't know. I think, yes, he'd succeed. I don't think it would be the same success of Mourinho. Definitely not. Uh, but I think if we're looking to stabilize a club before, maybe before Giggs comes in or before another young manager comes in, hopefully for five or six years or even longer, if we've been hopeful, if we're looking for someone to stabilise the club, be a very safe option, then I think Lauren Blanc really is your man.
1: Yeah, I think Lauren Blanc would be a good choice. I, I don't see any reason as to why he wouldn't be a good choice. Um, he he seems quite a safe option, I think. Someone who you kind of know what you're going to get. He's done a good job at PSG, albeit maybe not with the stiffest competition or... In the best league, but like we said, that can't always be the the measuring stick of the success that a manager will have in Britain or or at Manchester United. I wouldn't mind seeing seeing Blanc at all. He's not my first choice, but I do think that he would do a good job. And there is nothing to like in his record that suggests to me there's any huge problem about the way that he deals with the dressing room. Like I said, I think that that spell with France was like a baptism of fire, really, and I think he's learned from that quite a lot. Um, and he now knows how to deal with egos a lot better. I mean, let's be honest, he has Zlatan Ibrahimovic in his dressing room, probably the biggest ego in football. And he's managed to to keep him playing, keep him playing at a very, very high standard as well.
0: Yeah, if anyone does have an example uh, at PSG where he's handled it badly, I know there's been a few feuds with Zlatan, but that's expected. If anyone has an example, please tweet me because I'd like to know. Because from what I can see... His handling of Di Maria, Cavani, Lovetsy, etc. has been excellent, really.
1: I suppose the one is um, with the fiasco with Serge Aurier a few weeks ago, or probably about a month ago now.
0: Yeah, that was a difficult one.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, the, with the whole Serge Aurier thing, I think he, he set down quite a clear message and that he's not going to accept any of it. He's not going to let anyone get away with anything. Um, and he kind of put his foot down pretty firmly and set out his stall. And so I suppose, although it did happen, you can't really blame him for that because you can't control footballers twenty four seven. I don't think he dealt with it terribly badly. Um, I think, considering the kind of egos that he has in the squad, and of which there are quite a few big ones, he, I think he's done a pretty good job at PSG of keeping everyone satisfied.
0: Yeah, and if you, I said, I mentioned that he probably wouldn't be successful as Mourinho. I don't think he would, but even though he's been at PSG over the thirty eight game season in the league he would average 81.7 points, which is 0.3 points less than Mourinho averages. And that's only a few off the average for a title winning side. And although that includes PSG, if you take away uh, his time at PSG, his points per game at Bordeaux was only a tiny fraction less than a PSG at 1.95 points a game, Uh, which is pretty impressive given it was Bordeaux and even though PSG hadn't had their investment yet, it was a side very much not expected to win the league. We have, um, one last sort of possibility left and no one will like it. Uh, but I, I think that Glades and Ed Woodward might. Uh, I mentioned this earlier, Louis Van Gaal continuing. Um, I was writing down some positives. Uh, I couldn't come up with many. I, I won't lie. Uh, <laughs> the thing, the, the main positive is that at least it means that the board uh, have a clear direction. At least it means that the board are following through with what they want, even if they're being blind to what has been some awful football this season. Even if they're being blind to that, at least it means they know where they're going. Because uh, if he does stay on until 2017, it means gigs will take over. And as we've just said, that would be a a dream come true.
1: Yeah, I I must admit, this is what what I actually thought would happen as soon as Saban Moyes left. I thought that Van Hall would be brought in for three years he'd be allowed to retire in you know um, in sort of peace he'd have a successful few years here and then it would be sort of perfect timing for Ryan Giggs to take over and then create that kind of I guess kind of second dynasty or third dynasty after Busby and Ferguson I think that's kind of what everyone thought might happen obviously the Van Hall part of that hasn't worked out or at least not in the fact that it was like a good tenure for him but I guess that the thing is Van Gaal has done some good things for the club. Like I think it gets overshadowed a lot because obviously we're all very angry with the kind of football that we've been playing and the results that we've had. And so it is still an option. I mean, I I don't really want it to happen, and I'm sure most of the fan base doesn't. But it definitely is an option. And like you said, it would at least show that the board and Ed Woodward, for once, is finally planning something properly rather than. Just kind of jumping blindly from one mistake to another.
0: Yeah, that that's the key positive. Um, yeah, you mentioned that he's done some good stuff. Thing is, I think he's taken us as far as he can in terms of bringing through youngsters, uh, imposing his, his style of football has been utterly dreadful, but I think it has helped some of the players like Blind. And I, I think he's been great with Martial and the way he's dealt with him, even though some people aren't happy the fact that sometimes he's been played on the wing instead of Rooney. Um But I think he's handled Martial well and I think he's set us up okay as long as we make the next appointment the right one. So uh, I guess he's done some good stuff, but I think he's taken us as far as he can. and he, In my opinion, he's got to leave this summer. If he stays on realistically unless City capitulate as they have done in the last few weeks, it, it means no more Champions League next season. Partly shows the board are weak, although I guess you could argue it both ways given that they're sticking by the man as strong. But really, it shows that they don't want to get rid of their friend because apparently Woodward's very friendly with Van Gaal. More terrible football uh, means more boring football and it means probably a lot of money wasted. Yeah, I mean, if he does stay, uh, I guess we'll give him a chance to prove us wrong. But yeah, it's not a positive sign uh, if, if he does.
1: I think the the problem is that The fans are just too, um, they're too anti Van Hall now, I think, for for anything kind of good to come out of him staying for another season. It's really just a way of, I think, delaying the decision for another year. Even if they do think that Giggs is the man to take over, why not now?
0: What's he going to learn in the next year, really? He's he's under the same manager and it's just going to be another season where Van Gaal is constantly called to be sacked and he's not going to be sacked. So it's just going to be a repeat of this season, possibly, and maybe very slightly better. You don't know.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. He's not going to learn anything new this next season that he hasn't already learned in the past two. So in what way will he be any more ready at the end of next season than he will be at the end of this season? To me, there doesn't seem any reason to delay. that If they do want Giggs to take over from Van Gaal, there's no reason really to delay. Things things can't get much worse than this season, let's be honest. Like, Surely at, at least either the results or the style will improve under gigs. It, either way, there will be some sort of improvement, you would hope. Yeah, um, it
0: could be both, but we we know that the style would improve. Uh, we don't know if results would be any better because, honestly, they could be terrible under gigs because we don't really know. But we know that the style would be uh, more appropriate to what we like and the youth tradition would continue. So I think we've, what we've got from there is that Giggs is a dream option. Mourinho is safe but risky in in two ways. It's safe Are we're going to win something risky in that it could make our club terrible for the next 30 years or so. Laurent Blanc probably the safest option and Pochettino an unlikely option.
1: Yeah, I think Pochettino for me is the one that I would want the most, but probably, yeah, I you said it's unlikely to happen. And it, if you've
0: got any other suggestions, Thomas Tuchel, uh, possibility at Dortmund, very an- another very risky one. If you have any other suggestions, please tweet us at UTD Weekly Pods. Uh, and if you have any thoughts on Jose Giggs, Pochettino, um, Laurent Blanc, or <laughs> even Van Gaal staying, I don't think we'll have many supporting that idea. Or on the board and how we said that they're strong or weak in terms of Van Hal staying on. But that is all we have time for today. Thank you very much for listening to this special for the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. It's been a thoroughly enjoyable chat, I have to say, discussing the possible options for our managerial role. And we appreciate you sending in the questions. Jack, where can we find you on Twitter?
1: Uh, at T A I T
0: and you can find me on twitter at Harry robinson 64 and the podcast itself as i mentioned at utd weekly pod please tweet us any feedback you have thank you especially this episode for your continued support as we tweeted out a few days ago we have already surpassed 10000 plays since starting in january and genuinely uh, that, that really is unbelievable to us and Even the little tweets coming in saying, I enjoyed listening to the last episode. Uh, We really appreciate that. So thank you very much for listening. As always, I hope you enjoyed this special on the possible managerial candidates. Goodbye.
1: Podcast Network.